Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. Our ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. We're a ministry committed to taking the gospel in personal evangelism and discipleship to the ends of the earth. If you want to learn more, go to traincpe.org or go to breadoflifeboise.org. Romans chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 speaks of that time when you will stand in judgment before God. It says there that you will be judged according to your works. It speaks of those who by their works will prove a destiny of eternal life and those who by their works will prove a destiny of wrath and fury. Now, this passage seems to teach salvation by works, but only if you read it out of the context of all that Paul is saying in Romans particularly in the first three chapters of Romans. Today we're going to show you why a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. Who will render or pay to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no favoritism or partiality with God. So take the passage that we've just read here and let me add to it one other verse and go down just two verses and now read what it says in verse 13 of Romans chapter 2. There Paul continues and sums up in a sense what he's just been saying. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Looking at this passage, we have an object lesson here of why it is that we do not study God's word out of context when we don't just pick and choose certain verses or certain passages and let that thing, that passage or that word or that verse speak for itself within the overall context of what's being said in the word of God. Because if you let these words stand all by themselves and you were to read them all by themselves, you might be able to conclude that a person could earn their salvation by doing good works. Just live a life that is persistently patiently, with all the right motivations, mind you, with all the right motivations, doing all the right things, and this is the thing that is necessary to save you. And not just claim a belief in the right way, but actually fulfill it in your actions, and you can be saved because God will justify you on the basis of your good works. If you look at that passage, let it stand all alone, just absorb what it's saying, that might be the conclusion that you can reach. It's a point of confusion and consternation when commentators come to this passage. They have to figure out how to reconcile it with what Paul has been saying. There are individuals who actually say, you know, Paul's just inconsistent. In one place he says you're saved by faith. In another place he says you're saved by works. You know, there's just an inconsistency because he's a human being and he doesn't get it right. And of course, one of the things those individuals don't believe is that this word was spoken by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God was revealing a truth that all of us must bow before and yield before. So what we need to do is put it into a context. So the first thing we need to know is that Paul is making an argument here that he began in Romans chapter 1. So take your Bibles and just go back to Romans chapter 1 and let's read verses 16 and 17 because verses 16 and 17 reveal the context of what it is or the argument that Paul is going to make throughout his whole book. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ 
For it is the power of God unto salvation. That's his theme. The gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God, the way in which God righteously makes righteous the unrighteous, is what we said that meant. The way it is that God righteouses the unrighteous individual, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And now Paul, after saying that, is going to build an argument for why it is that individuals must be saved by faith alone. And the first thing he's going to do is drive home the fact that all individuals are steeped in sin. And then when he comes to the conclusion of his first point or his major argument, he draws it in in chapter 3. So take your Bibles and go over to chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Paul now is, after having since made his argument in the last half of chapter 1 in which he reveals the sinful nature of and the sinful way in which society is submerged because they reject God and the revelation of God as the creator of all things and they worship the creation instead of the creator and then Paul begins to speak to the moralist which we've been talking about and I'll refer to that in just a moment to show that their moralism doesn't save them. He speaks to the religionist to show him that his religion doesn't save him as well, that he's still under the law. Paul concludes in Romans chapter 3, the first half of Romans chapter 3 an indictment of all human beings we'll look at that in just a moment then Paul comes to his full argument in Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 26 in other words what he is proposing that he wants to declare and point out to people in verses 16 and 17 of Romans chapter 1 now he unfolds and says this is our conclusion Romans 3 verses 21 through 26 this is the context by the way in which we have to look at the passage we read in Romans chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 now we're in Romans 3 21 through 26, Paul says this, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace. Now here's how a person is saved. Here's how a person is regenerate. Here's how a person is made right with God. They're justified by God freely by his gift of grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation or as an atoning sacrifice through faith in his blood, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And verse 28, let us read that passage as well, those words as well. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. The context is an argument that you are not saved by the deeds of the law, that you're saved by faith alone in God's righteous provision in Jesus Christ. And that the context is also a contrast that Paul is making for us between what is produced by us in our own flesh and between the works that we try to produce in our own flesh and the righteousness that God would give us through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so now we have to go back to and just look at this because Paul is not simply arguing that we're saved or made righteous by faith but he's also making a contrast between the efforts to be saved by works and the salvation that comes by faith alone. And so now we're back in following the argument again. And we see this again developed all through the last 
Half of chapter 1 reveals this sin, and then chapter 2 reveals the position of the moralist who's still under sin, and then the religionist, that's the Jew, who although he thinks he has the law, so that makes him righteous, no, he is still under the judgment of sin. And then we have this conclusion that's reached in Romans chapter 3 that annihilates any idea, puts a nail in the coffin of anyone who thinks they can earn their salvation by being good that they can establish their righteousness by their own moral effort. Paul reaches that conclusion and drives that nail in the coffin in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what he says in verse 10. You think you're going to gain your righteousness by your good works? There is no one righteous, not even one. In verses 19 and 20, he says this. Now we know whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And that's also then why in Romans 3.23 he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is only this one way of salvation, by faith in the provision that God has made in the sacrificial atonement of his Son, it's the only way you can be saved because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and there is no salvation to be found in the works of the law. So there is the context for what we've just read in chapter 2. You, when you come and read the verses that we're going to consider in verses 5 through verses 11 of chapter 2, we have to lay it within that context. Here's a further context. Paul has been, as we've been considering the last three weeks, he's been speaking to the moralist, the person who is judge the vulgarity of sin in other people and how wrong they are and knows the standard of right and wrong and appeals that they're a good person and a moral person. Paul has said to that individual, no, your judgment of what is right and wrong only demonstrates that you are accountable to God because you know what is right and wrong. But the reality is, although you make judgment of other individuals, in some similitude, you do the exact same things. You're under judgment. And he protests, oh no, but look at my life. My life is good and God is being good to me. And Paul answers and says, no, the goodness of God in your life was meant to lead you to repentance. God is being good to you because God is withholding from you what you deserve and giving you goodness in order that you would repent and turn to him. What you're doing is you are despising the goodness of God and you're also despising, Paul says, the forbearance of God because what God is doing is you deserve God's punishment but he's withholding that judgment on your life. He's not letting it fall completely upon you. And in the meantime, as he's restraining the worst that you deserve, he's giving you good things that you don't deserve. And you're interpreting it as, well, I've bought my way into favor with God by my good deeds and my works. No. If you continue to live in that way and you continue to have that attitude, he says, you're storing up wrath for yourself against the day of God's righteous judgment when it will be revealed and you'll experience that wrath. That's Paul's argument and that's where Paul's at when he begins these statements. In fact, look at verse 5 again. He's speaking to the moralist who has this attitude. This is the context. But in accordance with your hard hearts, what you really are is you're hard-hearted. You're, you're not a good person. You're not a moral person. You're counting on your good works. You're a hard-hearted person. You have an unrepentant or an impenitent heart. You're experiencing the treasures of God's goodness, but as you do, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. This moralist, you see, has been confronted with his own sins and the sinfulness of his own judgmental attitude. So here's where we have to come in understanding what we now read in verses 6 through 11. 
the moralist, you might say in a sense, has been put on his heels. He's put out his argument. He's protested on the basis of his own goodness, and Paul has rebuked his argument. He's agreed with what Paul has said at the last half of chapter 1 when Paul has described the defilement and the decay that's coming over society. He is himself indignant by the terrible way in which people behave, but of course he's different, and Paul turns around and says, no, you're actually very much like those that you're judging. You're under judgment. Paul's words are very forceful, and they put this man back on his heels, and now that he's back on his heels, Paul is, you might say, going in to bring him all the way down, to bring to a ruin and bring to an end all of his confidence in himself. Paul will, as a result, take this man at this moment before the judgment seat of God and let this man stand as an individual before the judgment seat of God. Here before God, he won't be able to hide himself in the crowd. Here before God, he won't be able to identify himself as an elite privileged group that has known better and done all the right things and was more cultured and well-behaved. And he won't be able to say that I was a good American. He won't be able to say that I was raised in a Christian home or that my mother was a praying woman. He won't be able to say any of those things. He's going to have to stand before the judge all on his own. And he won't be able to stand before the judge and say, you know, I had good notions and I had good thoughts and I had high intellectual ideas and I had lost aspirations and I knew what was right and wrong. I was discerning over what was happening in our community and I knew what was wrong with our society and he won't be able to say any of those things because that's not the basis on which he's going to be judged. He's going to be judged on the basis of his works, not his intentions, not his platitudes, what we did, what we thought what motivated us, what we hid from view. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.